What's up, everyone? Today we have an exciting topic that I love to talk about, believe it or not. And although I don't usually talk about it in my YouTube videos, it is something that I do talk a lot about with my friends when we're just chilling and hanging out, you know what I'm saying? And so today's topic is sex and God. <laughs> and our guest today, or should I say a sexpert, who will be giving us some insights into this topic is the awesome Dr. Daryl Ray. So he's a psychologist who's written books such as Sex and God, How Religion Distorts Sexuality, and The God Virus, How Religion Infects Our Lives and Culture. And he's also one of the founders of an organization called Recovering from Religion. So Daryl, is it cool I call you Daryl? Or yep. doctor? Okay. Oh, no, please. <laughs> Daryl. My, uh, my friends call me Daryl. Oh, cool. All right. I'm your friend now. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> my enemies. Other <laughs> it's awesome to have you on the show, man. Great. Thanks for having me on, Joshua. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to talk about sex, and it's usually another thing to talk about God, you know, and, and where these two topics are usually kept separate, but but you love talking about both of them together. So, you know, tell us your story, you know, just a little bit of your background of where you're coming from, and, and tell us how things eventually led to your interest in talking about sex and God together. Well, I'm a psychologist. As you know, all psychologists are perverts. So that's, that answers all your questions, doesn't it? All right, next question. No. <laughs> that's uh, okay. That's only partly true. <laughs> uh, from a very early age, I was very interested in sex, as most human beings exactly. are. And I noticed from a very early age that what they told me in church, and I went to a very conservative, even fundamentalist church, mm. what they told me in church. And what I was experiencing seemed to be in conflict a lot, like mm. masturbation and all. Right. Thank goodness my parents weren't uh, too uptight about uh, masturbation. My mom caught me one day when I was 12 years old, <laughs> walked in the bedroom, and and I was just embarrassed as hell about it, you know. And I, she sat down on my bed and said, "It's okay, it's okay. You won't do it when you get married." Uh. <laughs> Well, you know, that was... There's that, a limit. Was, There's a limit. <laughs> she was a little bit more enlightened than most of the other people in the church, but yeah. but she was wrong even on that point. Mm. <laughs> I can tell you that, having yeah. been married. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was just amazed as, as I got into college, and I, I majored in anthropology and uh, sociology, mm. and I noticed that lots... And we studied lots of cultures. In fact, I just pulled an old paper out I did on the Havasupai Indians, in the bot who are a tribe that lives today, they live in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Now, at one point in time, before contact with Western culture, they'd live half the year in the bottom and half the year on the top, hunting and gathering and coming back down. Anyway, I so I did an anthropology project on them. I went there, I interviewed people on the reservation and all, and I realized at the ripe old age of 21 that these people, the 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 Havasupai tribes, sexual uh, practices, especially before contact with the West, were really, really different hmm. from ours. And I'd been taught all my life, this XYZ over here is normal. When I look at the Havasupai Indians, I follow ABC is normal <laughs> for them. And it was really, really different. For example, wow. women. Women are the controllers and the, and the leaders of uh, much in in many ways of the tribe, especially in matters of sex. Oh wow! And women could oftentimes had multiple sex partners, and uh, marriage was very a very very loose. Um, I mean, mm. they did have <laughs> marriage, but it was right. very loose. Yeah. And uh, uh, 
a man might be married to a woman and be living with another woman. Oh. I mean, it was just not uncommon, and nobody was all hot and bothered about it until the missionaries arrived. <laughs> so there was some of that going on, and then, you know, there's, there's just so much. If you look at anthropology, and I would say one of the biggest influences in my life was just reading about other cultures. Right. And, and I mean, reading it from the, the, the direct uh, witness of a, of a person going and living in that culture or being right there right. watching culture. Right. And, and man, there's so, there's so many different sexual practices. If you've read my book, Sex and God, you know I talk a lot about other cultures. Yeah. That. Yeah. And the reason I do this, I want to debunk this notion that Christians or Christianity is the is the right way to do sex or to mm-hmm. do relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, even even Christians, if they you think about it, are all out to lunch on that because the Muslims <laughs> have a whole different way of doing it. You know, you can right. have a, four wives if, or if, if you're a Muslim, <laughs> and that right. kind of thing. Or or the Hindus, the same thing. You know, it's a poly, it's a polygamous culture where a man could have multiple wives. Now, that's all changing. We're seeing that. But still, those are other ways of, of doing things. I certainly don't approve of polygamy, and that's mm. very different than other things like polyamory that we, right. we can talk about if you want. But So I just saw all this stuff. And then, and then I was very religious. I still was religious. I was a very liberal religious person, but still, still religious. So I went off to uh, graduate school, Scarrett College for Christian Workers. And while I was at Scarrett College, I was probably hit on by more gay men than I've ever been hit on in my life. All right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is a seminary, and all these guys are gay. What's going on here? So they, were, I, they were openly gay, like letting people know, or just like in private kind of thing, you know? It was, it was in 1973. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and the, the sexual revolution was still going on pretty strong, so... I would say it was kind of 50-50. Some were okay. closeted, some were out. Certainly on campus, they seemed to be more out than off campus. And, uh, and I'm very straight. I mean, I'm just straight. I'm, and I'm, I just have never had an inkling to be gay. It's just not me. Right. I have no problems with it, obviously. But I was just, all these guys are in the seminary. And then I realized there's lots of lesbian women in the seminary, too. This is crazy. Yeah. I was coming out of a very conservative Christian background. I'm I didn't I, I'd only met one gay guy in my whole life until I went to graduate school. <laughs> <laughs> out of all places, too. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And it, of course, that's a fantasy. I've, I've met <laughs> lots of gay guys. I just didn't know it. You know, I'd probably right. met lots of lesbian women. And didn't know it. But when you come out of that bubble, the Christian bubble, and you get exposed to something else. Oh, and the funny thing was, this is Nashville, Tennessee. That's where Scarrett College for Christian Workers is. Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. So this was just an eye-opener to me. And I realized, wow, even the Christians uh, can't practice this stuff. And then, of course, throughout my childhood, we had minister after minister having affairs mm. and getting forgiven for having the affairs and then having another affair and getting forgiven again. We had one minister that was caught three times before they fired him, finally fired him. And I realized... These guys can't practice. I mean, if if this stuff really worked, if Jesus in your marriage really works, right. then the people who were most faithful would be those people who are most infected with the notions. Right. The right. ministers, the elders. We had elders screwing all sorts of people they shouldn't have been screwing. <laughs> right, right. And we had ministers screwing people they shouldn't have been screwing. Now, none of it was illegal. It's not like it wasn't non consensual. It wasn't rape or anything. It was it was it was legal. If 
in the in the non-ethical sense, but in terms of ethics of the of their ethics, it was illegal. It was immoral. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's yeah. one thing I want to bring up. Then you know, because I've seen it too. So I, it is crazy that you hear about pastors preaching from the pulpit like passionately against you know what they consider to be sexual sins, quote unquote, and. And then there's all these scandals happening, you know, with the, the like you said, the pastor sleeping with so and so, or even their secretary or, or priests are being exposed for molesting boys. And so, like you said, these are supposedly against their beliefs. But but why do you think that their behavior is no different than like the average church attendee or from like secular people? Quote yeah. Unquote, you know. Well, in in some ways, they're worse than secular people. The, okay. evidence, the evidence tends to show that there is a difference. Not it's not a huge difference, but there is mm-hmm. a difference in the sexual behavior of religious people versus the sexual behavior of non-religious people. For example, pornography. Mm-hmm. There's there's evidence going back about 15 years that religious people actually watch more pornography than non-religious people do. Yeah, I heard of that. Which is really weird because they're preaching against pornography <laughs> all the time. <laughs> right, right. Don't do it. Except yeah, <laughs> right. And then if you look at divorce rates, there's uh, there's a slight but clear difference between religious and non-religious. The non-religious don't get divorced quite as much as the religious do. Right. And then if you look at ministers, ministers uh, have the same divorce rates as their as their denomination. And they're and like Baptists. Baptists have a higher divorce rate than most other religious groups. And the ministers have the same divorce rate as mm-hmm. their denomination, which is higher than secular. Non I mean Oklahoma has a higher divorce rate than Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts being one of the most secular states in the nation, Oklahoma, one of the most religious. And, and this thing after thing after thing, you can identify that there's a correlation. Now, we know that correlation isn't causation, but after a while, when you see these correlations, one after the other happening, that tells you something. For right. example, Mississippi and Utah, two of the number one and number two in religiosity are also number one and number two in porn, porn viewing, the very thing they preach most against. So what is in my book, the the God virus? I talk about something I call the guilt cycle, and people people are taught from a very early age that their bodies are their enemies, that they are broken, that they are not whole, that they have to have Jesus to become whole, and only Jesus can forgive them from being broken in the first place. So if you're taught from a very early age that you're a worthless piece of shit, yeah. and and you can't you can't do anything about it unless Jesus comes into your life. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, what, look at the conflict that creates. Yeah. I take, uh, you know, and I look at it and I think, okay, I'm, well, after I finished my degree in seminary, I went to, um, uh, went, went to graduate school in psychology. And of course, in, in psychology, we're trying to help people heal from trauma and problems and issues, you know, that, that are keeping them from being fully functional in, in today's world or in their life. And I realized about 80% of the problems I'm seeing in my office, very early on, I noticed about 80% of them are directly related to people's religious training. Hmm. And that, so, I mean, this is all stuff before I'm 30 years old. I'm starting to see this and figure it out. Hmm. But it took me another 20 plus years to really put it all together. A lot of research, a lot of observation, a lot of talking to a lot of clients and uh, I, I just finally realized there's something to be written here. And so when I, I wrote The God Virus, and that was a bestseller, and I just you know, I got tons and tons of feedback from people about, about one chapter in that book. It was like 
that one chapter seemed to hit hit a real nerve, and that was chapter five on sex and the God virus. Hmm. And I thought, wow, people really are interested in this. So I started doing a little research, research, and I found no one had ever written a book on sex and God. Hmm. Now, to me, it's, that's just obvious. Religion <laughs> and sex are always together. I mean, how many sermons are being preached every Sunday about what you do in your bedroom? Right. Right. And yet nobody ever written now, now I'm not saying Christians don't. Christians are writing about sex and God all the time. But it's from it's from a delusional perspective. They don't know anything about the biology or the anthropology or the sociology uh, of human sexuality. They're just saying they're just pulling stuff out of their you know yeah. <laughs> posterior. <laughs> you can and, say it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just said, okay, I'm gonna write about this because nobody has ever written a book on this. And I'm I'm serious. It it's even today, it's hard for me to believe that nobody's ever written a book on this. Yeah. Now since God Sex and God came out, there's been a two or three other books that have come out and dealt with a similar subject. So I, I can't say that anymore. Yeah. But before God Sex and God, no one had ever written it. The reason I, I point that out is that shows you the power of religion to make you blind to the obvious. Hmm. It is fucking obvious right. that religion influences your sex life in devastatingly negative ways, and yet nobody is talking about it right. or nobody's writing about it. To me, that's pretty interesting. Yes, I mean, it's, it's pretty much like control. You know, they just shame you. You know, when I was growing up, um, I dealt with a lot of shame, you know, because I was told I was a sinner, I was wretched, and, you know, anything that had to do with sex or anything like that is just, it was a no-no, it was taboo, yeah. you know, and, and then like I said, I would see these people at church, they would sometimes get away with it, sometimes they wouldn't, they would get called out, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, be embarrassed in front of the congregation and stuff like that, and, you know, there was something in your book where you said that, you know, religion is often excused for, it's an excuse for bad behavior. You know? yeah. So can you elaborate on that? Well, um, we've just seen, <laughs> we've just seen Josh Duggar. Mm. How much bad behavior can you get <laughs> of a guy? Right. And he's still getting forgiven. Exactly. And he got forgiven and forgiven and forgiven. Five different women, girls, in this case, his sisters, or right. three or four of them, he molested, and he knew, and he did it with the knowledge of his parents, and they did not almost nothing to prevent that from happening or continuing. And then when they finally did something about it, it was to send him off to meet some guy in Little Rock, Arkansas, and stay with him to help help build a house or rehab a house, and. That's what they called counseling for him. Now, the guy that did the rehab was a former sheriff's deputy who now is in prison for child pornography charges, I believe. Yeah. Uh, isn't that interesting? Right. I mean, everywhere you turn around the Duggars, there's all sorts of sexual stuff going on. And then you've got a whole family, a whole culture, subculture, really, that uh, I love what Aaron Ra, he calls it the clown car theology. And that is that a woman's vagina is a clown car. Let's see how many clowns we can get out of it or how many babies in this case. Mm -hmm. And he's right. There's this theology is just crazy. The sexuality is reproduce as much as you possibly can without regard to anything else, you know. Mm. And you do it because Jesus, because of Jesus. That's, right. that's all. God said, get out there and have babies. 
Yeah. Now, I don't have any problems with people having big families. I mean, I do have some problems in terms of just this planet can only hold so many. <laughs> right, right. So that's not that's not the issue. The issue, at least, at least with respect to the Duggars, is their job is to put as many Jesus nuts on this planet <laughs> as they can. Right. And they've got 19 and counting. And the oldest one has turned out to be quite a difficult nut for them. Mm. <laughs> but he's still a nut. Yeah. And they just sent him off. I posted a bunch of stuff on my Facebook page and uh, Secular Sexuality podcast page yesterday, the last two days. Mm. Duggars are keeping me really busy. I, I should send them a thing. <laughs> right, I, right. Have, I had one radio show and four podcasts this week. You're, you're the second podcast and the third show I've been on just this week hmm. because of the Duggars. Well, hmm. largely because of the Duggars. Yeah. And what happened was uh, he's been sent, he's going, he's checked himself into a, a, quote, rehab clinic. So I did a little research on this rehab clinic, and I find out they have a, not one single trained professional on their staff. Huh. No medical people at all. It's all mis- ministers and Christian Christian people. And the I looked at the qualifications of the counselors, and all the counselors looked to me to be pretty young. I mean, like in their 20s. Hmm. And you look at their qualifications, and the best qualification I could find was that most of them were drug addicts or alcoholics as recently as two years ago. Hmm. Now, isn't that interesting? But they yeah. found Jesus. Right. Once they found Jesus, then uh, they could... Uh, yeah. That's a solution. They know everything now, you know. <laughs> they do, and they can help Josh Duggar. Now, that's interesting. I'll bet Josh Duggar knows more about his religion than the counselor that'll be counseling. Right, right. Because he's older and he's been in a family that was really, you know, really beat it into his head. Right. So, right. so he's getting away. It's a get, this, this get forgiveness from Jesus is a get out of jail free card. Yeah. I guarantee you six or eight weeks from now, he'll be back. Right. You remember, you remember Ted Haggard who yeah, of course. <laughs> railed against uh, homo, homosexuals and then yeah. got caught with a with a gay yeah. prostitute. Well, he went down to Phoenix. It only took him it took him two years to come back, but he was back in two years. Yeah. He is still preaching in a big church. He's created a new church there in Colorado Springs, and he's been forgiven by Jesus, and he's back yeah. condemning you know condemning the gays again and and yeah. everybody else that doesn't agree with him. Hmm. What 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 happens is they get they can get out of jail free in terms of there's no accountability for their behavior yeah josh duggar was on ashley madison josh duggar actually had sex at least twice with a with a porn star hmm. and and so we know he's cheating on his wife and and even us atheists and i'm an atheist know that's inappropriate you know you really mm. ought to have an honest open relationship with whoever you're involved with mm. sexually and he didn't now i'm very open about my sex life if you know i got a whole podcast about right. it <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean i don't advertise all the gory details but right. that's not appropriate i am i am open about it and i'm open with anybody that i'm involved with yeah. because there's no that secretness is inappropriate if you're going to be an honest open human being and he has never learned that. Josh Duggar never learned in his family of origin about boundaries. Hmm. Other people's bodies are not his property. He cannot touch his sisters or molest other girls outside of his family. He never learned that. Hmm. And he, he was also told from a very early age that masturbation is wrong, that you're going to hell if you masturbate. Hmm. Now, this, this guy has probably got a high level of sexual energy 
what are you going to do with it if you can't masturbate? Yeah. And when you do masturbate, you're going to feel guilty as hell when you're finished. What do you do with that guilt? Yeah. Well, you heard that he was very violent with the porn star he got in bed with, according to her. Now, we're taking her story about it, but this is one of those things where you have to ask, why would she make this shit up? It, it, she doesn't need to. You know, and it's not like 72 other women are coming forward on this. She's one yeah. and seems to have been in the right place at the right time when he was there. Mm. So anyway, it's kind of fun. The interesting thing, there's a new development just happened yesterday. Dr. Epting at North Grenville University <laughs> in North Carolina, I think it was, no, South Carolina I think it was, his uh, last, uh, last uh, March or February, I think it was, his own son videotaped him having an affair with a, another married woman. So here's the tw president of one of the most Christian conservative universities in the whole United States, Gren North Grenville University. I mean, this university is so conservative, you can't even have a bottle of <laughs> vanilla in the cabinet where you get kicked out. Holding right. hands on campus is a, having sex before marriage. Is, all those things will get you kicked off campus. And here's the president screwing somebody yeah. who's also married. Now, yeah. in the Bible, that means both of them get stoned to death. Right. <laughs> and there's guys out there, you know, the Huckabee types, and there's a, a several of these ministers saying, yeah, we ought to go back to stoning gays. Mm. But they never talk about stoning adulterers. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. It's and always just, the gay ones that are like, they're yeah. really bad, you know. And I just read a great article on, um, gosh, where was it? Uh, I forget, on, online today, just news article on where's the indignation of the religious right about the whole Ashley Madison thing? All right, right. Why aren't we hearing? I mean, they come out and they rant and they rave and they yell as loud as they can about gays and gay marriage. But the Bible actually says nothing about gays and gay marriage. It says nothing about abortion. Right. There's mm. zero. Jesus never said anything about ab abortion or gay marriage or homosexuality. And yet they yell, yell, yell about that. Jesus was really clear about adultery. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, there's no mistaking it, but yet you can hear a pin drop on the religious right. There's no, nobody's hollering about Ashley Madison. Mm. And I'll guarantee it because, it's because a of, lot of them have got their yeah, they, they got caught. <laughs> wow. You know, and so, I mean, think about it, like, like, why are people so afraid to talk about sex? You know, it's, it's interesting because, like, even my married couple friends, you know, like, they're, even when I bring up sex, you know, they still get uncomfortable with it. And then, you know, yeah. and then even, like, you found out on, I guess you looked up on Amazon or wherever, like, there's hardly any books on that topic, yeah. you know, at least from, like, from a religious understanding or trying to see it in context. So, like, why do you think people are so afraid to talk about it, though? Because, number one, our culture really is very religious and very conservative religious. We've been programmed since the Puritans came over here about mm. sex being shameful, sex is wrong, sex, sex will send you to hell. Even if, even if you're secular, you've still been infected with some of these ideas. Right. Uh, for example, the whole notion of porn addiction. Mm. I've, been on a, I've been on a kind of a campaign the last year or so, challenging people to try and say, look, this whole thing about porn addiction is a religious idea. It is not a secular idea, and we need to challenge that. I've got a whole talk on YouTube. You can go and see. I did it free okay in June. I think it's got some like 12,000 views already. It's hmm. A lot of people have looked at it. 
I know secular people. I just read somebody on, on Reddit this morning said, I'm an atheist and I know that porn addiction is real. Now, of course, they have no evidence. And, and they didn't wa- bother to watch my talk and they haven't read my book and they haven't read Dr. David Lay's book on the myth of sex addiction and all any of those people. Or Dr. Marty Klein, who's written a great article for Humanist Magazine on the myth of sex addiction. He didn't bother to read any of that, yet he's an atheist saying it's really a thing. Right, right. And I'm here to say, no, it's not really a thing. I've had people say, masturbation will ruin your marriage. I'm an atheist and I know it'll ruin your marriage. Well, where the hell did you figure that out? Are you a sex expert? Uh-huh. What's... And so I'm here to challenge secularists. I'm here to challenge religious people too. You, you are ignorant about human sexuality if you think yeah. there's such a thing as sex addiction. If you think that masturbation will ruin your, ruin your marriage. If you think that pornography is something you can get addicted to. You don't understand human sexuality. Yeah. So, what does your research your research say about that? So, so I, I every so often I get emails from people asking me for help because they're addicted to porn, you know, and they say stuff like it's destroying, it could destroy their marriage and stuff like that. So, what does your research tell you about about that whole idea? Does it destroy marriages or relationships? You know, does it have an, a certain yeah. negative effect on the brain or something like that? Okay. Well, first of all, I will just tell your listeners or if you have somebody send them straight to that talk sure 50 minutes later they will have a whole different i've had people come into my talks there were 500 people in that room and i i dare say 200 of them probably believed or more believed there was sex addiction it was a real thing mm-hmm. until they heard my talk and i'm mm-hmm. pretty much know that nobody left that room thinking it was a, a real thing afterwards so <laughs> that that alone just in getting informed that's all that's all you have to do yeah. And once you realize that sex addiction is a way to get you back to Jesus, I mean, that's what, what Josh Duggar, one of the first things he says, I've strayed from my wife. I started watching porn. I became a porn addict. And then that led me to have affairs. Mm. So he's blaming his he's porn. Blaming his porn. <laughs> and affairs. No, the fact is he is fucking screwed up by his own parents about his sexuality. Right. He knew if he, if he had been taught early on about, Masturbation is okay. Fantasies are okay. Watching porn is okay. Touching other people inappropriately is not okay. Hmm. And having sex uh, outside your marriage without without uh, talking it through and with you know consent from your partner is hmm. inappropriate and wrong. Hmm. He was never taught any of that. He was just said, you know, he's just given some real rigid rules. Right. About. It's all these prohibitions. You can't do this. Yeah. You can't do that. So obviously it's wrong. So I'll do don't, it secretly. Don't, 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 don't. Nobody, <laughs> taught, nobody taught him how to masturbate properly. You know, nobody sat him down and said, look, don't do it in public, uh, obviously, but, <laughs> and you can use these things. You can, hey, nobody told him that women can use dildos. I mean, he's right, probably right. condemns women who use dildos, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Oh gosh, we got off track there. What was I getting ready to tell? Oh, you? so I mean, let's talk about masturbation then, because that's a big thing. You know, even in my seminary days, I remember the guys on the floor in my dorm. They would have meetings about they'd be struggling with yeah. masturbation, and they'd feel really, really guilty. They'd be like, "Oh, I went for like a week. I went without a month for without doing," and then they fall back into doing it again, and they feel more like shit. You know, and so that yeah. that's one of the things like I'm like, wow, this is really like eating people up inside. So. It is. So for very a lot natural, of, yeah, it's natural. natural. So like for a lot of religious people, it's, it's bad. It's sinful, you know, yeah. but, but from your research and, and studies, you know, are there any benefits to it? 
Oh, there's tons of benefits. I mean, <laughs> first thing, it gives a hell of a lot of pleasure. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and just because <laughs> you don't have a sex partner, you know, you are the first sex partner you'll ever have in your life. Right. And you're probably the last sex partner you're ever going to have in your life. Mm. So enjoy your own life. Body, you're, you, ha- you need a sexual relationship with yourself. Mm. And that, therein lies the uh, contradiction to the Catholic or the Christian, Baptist, whatever uh, dogma. The first person you need to have a sexual relationship is with you. Right. You need to enjoy your body. It's the only body you're ever going to get. You're not going to get a new body in heaven. you got one now. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. Teach yourself how to give yourself pleasure. Mm. And then when you do have a sexual partner, you'll be more educated about your body, and you can teach them. Right. I've had women come into my office, for example, and they say, uh, my husband can't give me a, an orgasm. Uh, I've never had an orgasm. And I mean, they're 40 years old. I've had 40-year-old women in my office saying, I've never had an orgasm. And my husband can't give me an orgasm. I say, okay, well, let's start really back, back, back. When did you first start masturbating? And the woman would say, oh, I've never masturbated. That's that's wrong. (laughs) Okay, now they're not necessarily secular. They may still be religious, of course. I say, well, okay, if you can't give yourself an orgasm, why the hell do you expect your husband to give you an orgasm? (laughs) (laughs) Is there something wrong with this picture? So, you know, masturbation is such a fundamental thing. Every, almost every primate, well, every primate masturbates. Mm. Every, all, we're just one of the other primates, of course. So Mm. it's very good. It's got a lot of benefits. One of the benefits is that your sperm, for men, sperm only lasts for about five days inside your body and then they start getting old and useless, and so you need to get rid of them. So if you're not masturbating on a regular basis, you're accumulating old, dead sperm in your system. Or you're having wet dreams. See, Well, you need wet dreams, somebody, you gotta do something. (laughs) So you get rid of the sperm, the old sperm, and and that stimulates new sperm come in. What it means is when you do have sex, your sperm are healthy and ready to fertilize an egg. Right, right. That's. Another thing is, the more you know your own body and the more you stimulate yourself, the ultimately the easier it is for you to interact with somebody else around your own body. You'll get more comfortable with it. Now, on the other side, for women, women's masturbation keeps the whole vaginal tract, reproductive tract, clean and flowing. The more a woman is, if a woman masturbates on a regular basis, she lubricates very easily. She, her body learns and responds quicker. So it's easier for her to have orgasms. I've met many women that once they really learned and got comfortable and said, you know, my body is my body and I'm going to enjoy it. And they started experimenting and playing with themselves and giving themselves their own orgasms. Then they could teach their partner how to give them an orgasm too. Yeah. So yeah. masturbation, it, people, I've, I've had people tell me I talk too much about masturbation. <laughs> but here's the deal. <laughs> It's the most fundamental sexual activity you're going to have in your whole lifetime. Mm. How can I talk too much about it? Right, right. Now, there are people out there who don't masturbate and don't even, aren't even interested in it, and that's fine. There's probably somewhere between 3 and 5% of the population has never masturbated. They're just not interested in it. And yeah. I have no problems with that. Also, when you're really sexually satisfied – and everybody's sex drive is different. I mean, we've got different levels, just like our appetites are different and our music tastes are different. We, we all have different levels of energy around sex. 
if somebody's got a fairly low libido, low sex drive, mm. having sex once a week, once a month may be plenty for them and they with their partner and they don't even need to masturbate. Yeah. For me, if I'm not having sex two times a day, <clears throat> something like that, I'm miserable. <laughs> I mean, it's just so that's the difference. You can have somebody who once a month is fine and and somebody else that, you know, five times a day is about right. right. I mean, serious. <laughs> there right, are people right. when I was when I, early on in my in my therapy practice back in the nineteen eighties, I, I had I had several clients, men and women, come in and say, I masturbate ten and twelve times a day. Mm. And that wasn't the issue. It was no big deal. It, th- right. That wasn't why we were. They were in my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it, how many times you masturbate is a lot of people say, oh, "I masturbate too much." Well, okay. How do you know that? Yeah. What's, what's the much? standard? Yeah. Where, what's too much? Yeah. And now, now it's not to say it's not to say that you couldn't overdo it. That yeah. you couldn't. That it might not might get in the way. So what we do is when people are overdoing something, yeah. for example, overeating. Like with anything, obviously. Yeah. We yeah. don't say, okay, what, what, we, what we really want to do is look underneath the symptom. The symptom is, oh, you want to have five bowls of ice cream before you go to bed. Well, that's probably not a healthy thing to do. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you want to you wanna masturbate 12 times a day and that interferes with you getting your work done. Yeah, okay, well, that's probably not a good thing to do. Right. Let's look at what might be driving that behavior. And what we see oftentimes is underlying beliefs, ideas. Mm. For example, the person, uh, in either case, the five bowls of ice cream or the 12 times a day masturbating oftentimes can go right back to I just got a divorce. Mm. I'm depressed. I'm uh, lonely. I'm unhappy right now. So are we going to treat the ice cream eating or are we going to treat the depression? Right, right. That's the problem with treating things like sex addiction. When you label, you, you masturbate too much or you have a porn addiction, you're labeling the symptom. You're not labeling the actual underlying yeah. cause. Like the, yeah, the cause of it. Yeah, and that, that's one thing that when I would hear stories of people where they would talk about like yeah masturbation ruin our marriage or even watching too much porn or whatever I'm like, well you could do that with anything it could be you hanging out too much with the boys or something and right. you're neglecting your wife or you're watching sports all the time and you're not spending time right. with your partner or something like that so that's what I've always found interesting throughout the years of just like well why are you blaming that yeah you right. know I mean there there you know there is something deeper and you know that's that's what I like like you know there's this whole thing with sexual repression you know and. It is something that for myself growing up as a Christian, it was something that I, I struggled with a lot. You know, so honestly I wish I wish I knew all this stuff before. So thankfully I'm still I'm still young, you know, but there were a lot of years where just everything was so bad. I was like trying to stay Mr. Purity Boy and stay clean and all that. And and yeah, back in the day right. I was a pastor. Oh, so you yeah, I was a pastor for several years. And um wow. so, so I used to, you know, I had to set the example. And I, I was trying to do my best. And, you know, so what we would do is that we would form something called, I find it cheesy now, but we would form like accountability groups where oh, we yeah. go over this book called Every Man's Battle. Have you ever heard yeah. of that book? Oh, yeah. So that's I like, did. that's like the standard book for like a lot it, of us it's... young guys and they have a girl's version. And so we'd meet up like every week, you know, because obviously sex is something that goes on in our minds all the time. But, yeah. um, and then we would like confess <laughs> our, yeah, our so-called I... sexual sins. Yeah, that we would feel embarrassed, and and I remember, you know, like one of the guys was talking about how he was, 
you know, struggling with porn. So, so in order to resist it, he would put the, his computer in the closet, you know, and then we would talk about that during the meeting. And then we would pray, you know, that he'll overcome the temptation and we would have our meetings. And then I would find out that after our meeting, he would take the computer right out and start watching porn again. Oh, hell and, yeah. and he'll feel more, but he would feel more like crap, though. Yeah. You know, because there was that, that guilt that, that would drive him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so, you know, growing up like that as a Christian, like sex, it was primarily like we would learn it from the Bible, supposedly, right? That's yeah. what we were told. The Bible has all the answers, you know? Right. And to be honest, there wasn't much like practically that we could learn from it except, you know, don't have a, a hint of sexual immorality, you know, because God yeah. knows your thoughts. And I remember reading that verse back in the day, like, there should not even be a hint. And I'm like, what? Like, how how is that even possible? You know, it's, it's not. Or what does that even mean? Right. Yeah. And so I call it the don't don't think of a pink elephant. <laughs> exactly. Right. You tell someone don't do it and they do it. And so like we would, you know, we, we tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to stay pure. We would do something called bouncing the eyes. You know, don't watch porn for sure. Yeah. Don't watch certain rated R movies. Don't watch even certain rated PG-13 movies because some of yeah. them were considered like raunchy. You know, and and some people, they wouldn't even hold hands because, you know, it could supposedly lead to other things. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to survive <laughs> in this world? And, and, you know, there was even this one program like when I was back in, in Asia, you know, like one of my friends told me that, you know, they were struggling with, with porn. And so I don't know if you heard of this, but if if there's it's like an accountability thing that if you get if you end up watching porn, your friends will be notified, you know, yeah. just so they could keep you accountable. And I'm like, dude, you know. Of course you wouldn't want to do it then because you know, your friends are going to find out because of the shame culture yeah, that we're right. a part of. And then throughout the years, like, and this is something that why I'm so thankful for your book, because your book was like the first book that ever put into words my my thoughts, because I started to realize, because even though I wasn't talking about sex for a while, like I had my own thoughts, obviously, because of my, my own ways, I saw the damage it's done to me of how mm-hmm. religion has used a lot of guilt. You know, I eventually realized that the more you try not to do something like that pink elephant example yeah. you gave, you know, the more you end up doing it, you know, and, and there's that, that whole saying, you know, that which you resist, it persists. And, and so I really saw the guilt drive me to do things. And, yes. but it wasn't until like, no one told me to do this. It was just something that I, I just, you know, also my, my wife was actually a part of this journey with me where the more I accepted and embraced my sexuality, the more I started to see things as just normal. Uh-huh. You know, like it wasn't a big deal. If I see a naked woman, it's no big deal, you know. And, and back in the day, I'd be like, oh, you know, my heart, my heart would start beating fast because it's a sin, <laughs> you know. And, and I'd, I'd, I'd be walking out of movie theaters and stuff like that because I'd feel bad because God's watching me. Yes, right. You know, right. Or, or Jesus. And this is like so like odd, right? Like I imagine Jesus would be like standing there shaking yeah. his head in disappointment, which is so kind of weird, right? To have it, it is watching me do stuff. You know? A friend of mine, and, a friend of mine uses a, to contrast the United States and our kind of our attitudes about all this, seeing naked women or whatever. <laughs> he says, you know what they call a naked, uh, a topless beach in Italy? What's that? A beach. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's, it's they don't so care. Normal. It's no it's so big deal. It's um, when you sexualize everything, then you start seeing everything as sexual. Yeah. And yeah. religion is just consumed. The, the people, religionists tell us, me, I'm an atheist, tell us secularists that we're all, we're all want to want to be atheists so we can sin and have sex anytime. Yeah, it gives you a license well, to do whatever. Well, the fact is, 
I'm not nearly as consumed with sex and sexuality as Josh Duggar is mm. or with his family or with right. or Mike Huckabee or any of these guys that are constantly talking about sex. Mm. They talk about sex more than I do, and I'm a sex <laughs> educator. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so. Exactly. I mean, they're just finally getting it out there, you know, because it's been repressed for so many years. You know, so I mean, like, oh, you know, one question that came up because I, I heard one of your talks yesterday, and, and I like how you made a distinction. But what what is the difference between guilt and shame? To you, that's a great question. I do go, I go to a whole chapter in my in both my books. I actually talk about guilt, but guilt and shame and sex and God because people confuse those two and don't realize how they function. Hmm. Sh- shame is a communal, is a is a communal em- emotional experience. I feel shame around. If I feel shame if my community finds out I mm. masturbate or if right. my community. And so you see shame cultures um, and shame religions. For, for example, Islam is a very shame-based religion. Mm. But it's shamed around a community. So you have to have a cohesive community that finds out I'm having sex outside of marriage. And then the entire community comes down on me and shames me. Mm. And, and in, you know, in some aspects some areas of islam you can get killed for violating these shame these shame boundaries i mean women get stoned girls girls get beheaded because they had sex or they kissed Mm. them or something in i in i in iran and places like that Mm. saudi arabia so the shame shame is a cultural social thing Hmm. and and it but what happens when you don't have a very tight community you go to Saudi Arabia, almost everybody you're going to come in contact with is a Sunni Muslim. So there's a very deeply connected, tightly woven culture that if you violate one of the shame boundaries, the entire culture will come down on you. Hmm. But wow. in the United States, we don't have a monolithic religious system around us. Right. You got a Baptist on one side of you and your neighborhood and you got a Catholic on the other side. And you might even have now Hindus or Buddhists somewhere in your neighborhood. So there could be all sorts. So it's very difficult to maintain a shame-based culture and a shame-based religion if there's there's not a tight community. Now, Catholicism was was very shame-based for many, many years until, as I write about in um, in the book, Sex and God, until the Reformation came and Martin Luther – you know, and the Lutherans split off and the Presbyterians, everybody started going their own way. That breaks down the shame-based uh, community. So you have to have a different way of keeping people in line with respect to your religion. And guilt does that. If right. you think of shame and guilt as a continuum, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, a 1 is hugely shameful, a 10 is hugely guilty. Hmm. Well, the two kind of meet in the middle. You can have shame and guilt work together. Now, now... When I, I've been taught since I was young that masturbation is wrong. I can masturbate all day in the privacy of my home and nobody in my community will know it. Mm. I can look at porn and nobody will know it. Mm. But I know Jesus is watching me. <laughs> so I feel guilty anyway. Right. <laughs> so, so it's the guilt. Guilt is an individual, generally a, a more individual, individualized emotion. Right. Where right. shame is a more communal emotion. Now, they right. definitely work together because when right. I come back, what, what's happening, and you described it really well, Joshua, when you go to this group and you all hold hands and you pray that you're not going to be succumbed to the temptation, 
And then somebody says, well, but you watch porn, or I confess that I watch porn. Mm. That's the shame component coming out. Yeah. And religions really strive to get the shame in there. Shame is far more effective at controlling your behavior than guilt is. Yeah. You can feel guilty yeah. as hell about masturbating, but you're still going to do it. Right, right. Shame. Shame seems to have a better way of keeping you in line. Yeah. I'm not saying it's perfect by a long shot, but so right, the two, right. two work together. Is that what yeah. you're asking? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's perfect. That's what I heard yesterday. I just wanted you to explain it for my listeners, you know, yeah. and and I've seen that, you know, there's this whole, like, just the whole community shaming, you know, I just met up with a couple last week, they were listening to my podcast, and then they wanted to meet up with me last uh-huh. week. And then they were talking about how they would go to this one retreat where you write down all your sins. Yeah. And then you say it out loud. Yeah. You know right. what I'm that's thinking? What, what, what's the purpose of that? You know, I mean, here's the here's the difference between shame religions and guilt religions and it's pretty clear shame religions are much more cult-like yeah and they they want they want to use shame so you get jehovah's witnesses they're definitely a cult Hmm. some aspects in some areas catholicism is very much a cult sure um seventh day adventist very much a cult and they use those techniques to shame uh shame the members yeah but but presbyterians are more guilt focused and baptists are more guilt focused Here's an important question. So, like, for those who are, you know, they have kids, you know, how how would you suggest or recommend that, you know, how would the whole topic of sex come up? You know, do you have any suggestions? Because a lot of my friends, they have kids now. You know, they just gave birth and some of them have little toddlers. What what would you suggest on how to have the quote-unquote the talk, you know? Well, okay, Joshua, let's say that that is an entire other podcast discussion. I wouldn't <laughs> try to get into that one in the first place. Oh, really? Okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, no, no worries. I did. Um, back in January, I did a podcast episode on Seth Andrews, The Thinking Atheist, where I talked about that very thing. We did a whole, like, almost an hour of how do you deal with the kid issues. Yeah. My own okay. podcast, the, my own podcast, uh, boy, it's uh, three episodes ago i'm not sure which number it was the our whole lives um i interviewed dr melanie davis who's uh, head of the our whole lives program for the unitarian church and it's an amazing sex education program Hmm. that's age appropriate for for kids from kindergarten on up through adulthood i mean even even into late adulthood Hmm. it's a great program that's sex positive gender neutral. I mean, lots of things about her are just excellent. I interviewed her because there's very little out there for secularists on how to raise your children sex positive without a lot of religious, you know, dogma getting into it. So yeah. that's, that's a place I would look. Those, that, okay. those two, uh, our whole lives, you can just Google that one and look at that program. It's awesome. Okay. You can send your kids to the Unitarian church. I don't, and, yeah. and they get great sex education yeah, there. I heard about that. You know, so so lastly, because I, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time. You know, for for my listeners who I'm sure you know, there's some of them that are struggling with with shame, with sexuality and stuff. You know, what would you say to them right now, just to give them some encouragement? Like if they were just standing in front of you, what would you say when you know they're they're struggling themselves with shame? Well, I would say, where did you learn that shame, and examine that. And recognize you only get one life to live and you only have one body to live it in. Mm. Think of that really seriously. How much of your life do you want to waste feeling bad about something that's not real? Mm. Feeling bad about rules you were taught by people who didn't know diddly squat about human sexuality. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're a sexual human being. You're a sexual person. You can behave responsibly sexually and have a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> That's what sex is all about. It's having a lot of fun without hurting anyone else. Mm. But also say, be very responsible. Understand what the ethics of sex, the secular ethics of sexuality are. Because you're not just protecting yourself. You're protecting everybody you're involved with. So be safe with your sexual behaviors, but have a lot of fun with them. And nobody gets hurt by masturbating. <laughs> so that's perfectly safe. That's that's the ultimate safe sex right. is masturbation. Right. I would like to let people know they can they can get my books. Yeah, that. for sure. You know, so how how can they keep in touch with you? What's your what's Well, your they website? can go to my podcast, of course. I'm always talking about sex on okay. my podcast. What's the, the name of your podcast? The Secular Sexuality Podcast. Okay. And it's a part of the Dogma Debate Network. And yeah. they can get my books on Amazon, of course. Oh, for sure. I'll be linking those books, yeah. so don't worry. Are you yeah. working on any new books at the moment? I tell you, my own speaking and just I, I'm my my life is already busy enough, and yeah. I don't I don't write books just to be writing books. I, I write books when I'm inspired. So, no, I'm not. The podcast has taken a lot of my time. I'm really, really enjoying it. Yeah. Plus, I'm the I'm the chairman of the board of Recovering from Religion, and our organization is kicking some butt right now, doing some amazing things. And I'm awesome. also the director of the subproject of Recovering from Religion, the Secular Therapy Project. Awesome. where people can find a guaranteed secular therapist by going to our database at seculartherapy.org. Hmm. But the, really the most exciting thing that's happening right now is uh, our hotline. If you are going through a religious, a religious crisis, a crisis in whatever, and you want to talk to somebody, you can pick up the phone and call a 1-844-I-doubt-it. Um, or I, I can't remember that. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. But no anyway, it's we'll, we'll link it. We'll link it. <laughs> link it. Because there's lots of people out there having doubts. Yeah. There's tons of people leaving church, and they don't know where to turn. Right. Well, we are people to turn to. And when you, when you call our hotline, you get somebody who's really well-trained. We even have ministers, former ministers, answering our hotline. Hmm. So these people are well-trained. They're very knowledgeable. But most important, they're not there to convert you or deconvert you. They're just there to right. listen, ask questions, send you two resources. They'll even send you back to church if you're asking for it. I mean, <laughs> right, seriously, right. you have people saying, well, it sounds to me like you are looking for a church home, but not one that's got the fundamentalist crazies that you raised in. So here's an opportunity. Here's a place you can go somewhere else. So the Hotline Project is the most exciting thing going on right now, I think, in almost the entire secular community. Wow. That That is so awesome. And don't worry, you guys, we'll be putting that in the link. Um, you know, Daryl? It's been fun, man. I'm sure you got a lot of people thinking about something. So thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you, Joshua. Good to be on. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Such an awesome interview. I love Daryl's energy and his perspective on things. Now, whether or not you agree with his views, you got to ask yourself, do my views about sex and God produce guilt in my life or freedom, right? And are they bringing about healthy or unhealthy relationships? And it's interesting because some of you listening to this interview might have thought, you know, I don't know about that or that's a stretch, you know, while others suddenly felt this huge weight of guilt just lift off of them. Now, obviously, you can believe whatever you want about sexuality, but I'm just hoping this episode gave you something to think about or, hey, it might have even confirmed some things for you. I don't know. But if you want to dig deeper into this topic, remember, I just teamed up with Audible.com so you can download Daryl's book, 
Sex and God absolutely free with the free 30 day trial just so you can check them out. Now, to me, audiobooks are dope because you can just listen to them while you're driving or walking or cleaning the house or whatever. You know, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash flipsite. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash flipsite for Daryl's audiobook or pretty much any free audiobook of your choice just in case you want to get something else. So go check it out. And if you enjoy this podcast, consider supporting me on something called Patreon. Because like I said, this does take money to produce, which comes out of my own pocket. And it does take up a lot of my time as well. And so Patreon is like a tip jar, right? It's like saying, hey, Josh, you know, we support what you're doing. You know, we love what you're doing and we would love to keep the show going. And so any support would really mean a lot to me, guys. And for my Kindle promo, you know, for my new book, The Secret to Awesomeness, it's still going on for a few more days. And then it's going to go back to its original price. So get it while you can, while there's this huge discount. And if you have it already, why not buy it as a gift for a friend? And it's cool because another person just messaged me a few days ago telling me how the book made them cry too. Just as I mentioned, someone shared that to me last week. And like I said, you know, I, I love hearing that my books get people to think. But I also love knowing that it touches their hearts as well. And so get that book while you still can, while it's still on sale. And remember, all the links and the resources mentioned in the show will be in the description. So don't worry about it. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you can, I'd really appreciate it if you could write a review and rate it on iTunes. Uh, It only takes a few minutes and it'll really help out the show. And please share this podcast with your friends. Alrighty, guys. Once again, thanks for listening. And I'll see you guys on the flip side. I'm out. Peace.